Hello, hi, hey, welcome to the After After Party. A Join the Party fan podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Lindsay. Heads up that this episode contains spoilers for episode 51, House Party 2. Can you believe we've already got a second episode? Wow. I think I have seen my most favorite critical failure ever now. Yeah? Which one was that? It's when Anara and Tracy had disadvantage on perception while they were hugging. And they both got a crit one. <laughs> because it was the best hug ever. It felt like a great compliment to their excellence in handshakes. Yeah. No, that's true. That was an excellent like narrative moment provided by like the framework of D&D in a way that you'd otherwise like wouldn't be able to get with a storytelling game. It was also fun to see Autumn get like a moment here a little bit to mm-hmm. come back and be more than just like a gag. Right. She's not just a foil or a copy of Inara. She's also got her own like, I hate this robot that, you know, betrayed us. Do you want to just go through all the various minor characters that we've seen again here? Because um, I think Chad was on my list of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like Chad is having like himself a moment. <laughs> the dustbuster Chad. Yeah. Who's vacuumed up all the books and is like, I can read really fast. And then he does. <laughs> Franny was also f- hilarious, and I didn't see that coming. That when she's not drinking the undying light, she turns into Mary Poppins. She seems a little more tropish to me in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, I was kind of hoping that she'd be able to contribute more. But instead, she just kind of sat there in the corner and complained. Right, because she had been a big vehicle about getting them more information about the council and right. the old times. Right, and suddenly she has no additional information to share. That part seemed weird to me. Well, we can't talk about minor characters and ignore the draft that they had, where they got to pick three people to come with them. Oh, yeah. What did you think of the mechanic? I liked that Eric had done some work drafting up what these characters could do, because um, non-player characters are usually inherently limited, right? You want to focus the play on your player characters, but it also really, I think, fit well with what we knew of those characters so far and their flavor to have the, like, this is their special ability, this is their weakness, this is their movement ability. Yeah, I think something I liked that wasn't necessarily in the rules, but that he brought in was the interaction between the characters they choose to bring. Mm-hmm. That maybe he'd also prepared that and just hadn't told us because that was, I think, my favorite part of it was the interaction between like Alex and Chad and Brinks of choosing to bring those three and then they have their own like microculture. And oh my gosh, the revelation to to Anara that one of the characters is up to no good had me on my seat. I was like, I, I just felt like I absolutely needed to know which one it was, but I, it's I don't know. You think it's Brinks? I think it's Brinks. Why? Because uh, her betrayal would be the most dramatic. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the obvious choice would be Autumn, because from the beginning, she was a doppelganger, and that whole set of other right. three felt kind of suspicious. Yeah, no, it can't possibly be Autumn. It's got to be, like, Brinks or Alex. And I think I might cry if it's Chad. Chad would be, like, the least effective double agent. He'd be like, by the way, I'm a spy <laughs> for the other team. <laughs> uh, yeah, that describes it better than I could. Yeah. But no, it's definitely going to be, like... And it had to be one of the people they brought with them. Like, I think a little bit... Um, if you've ever played the the Jenga game, um, not Gloom, uh, Dread, where everything goes wrong and and someone's like the murderer, right? But you don't know who until midway through the game, and it could be anyone. I suspect that we have a little bit of that, where it's going to be one of the people I brought with them, probably. Mm-hmm. So given that restriction. 
And I feel I like it's Brinks. Brinks could be an unwilling um, betrayer a little bit too, because they already alluded to the fact that she's been controlled by the council before to some extent. Would you have picked the same people? Oh man. Um, I definitely would have picked Captain Alex and Brinks and I forget who my other options were now. Tammy and Taylor. Tammy and Taylor. I probably would have brought Tammy and Taylor over Chad. I know. They were so concerned about bringing kids along. I just think Tammy and Taylor are super fun. I would have brought them anyway. Yeah. And, like, Stoneface, but they'd have to go get him, like, or, like, Zuby, but they'd also have to go get him, like. Well, he opened up the opportunity for them all to be in the room because he said, oh, you called in all your area leaders into the Doom and Boosters, and then she... Sent them back. Uh, sent them back. Yeah. They have had a lot of fun with Stoneface already. He's had his moments. Yeah. But no, I would. I definitely would have chosen more Tammy and Taylor. I think they're two of the more like intense characters. And if they had like a breakout moment, it would be like fun and exciting and like heartwarming. That mm, they got to be the heroes. Right. Whereas if Alex has like a breakout moment, it doesn't necessarily like lead anywhere. I think something that I was wondering about was how much like, advanced communication they had about the plan? Because, like, the players got railroaded pretty hard here to go right into the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I was like, let's go to Tortopolis and look at the home movies again. And, like, that seems like that would have been a decent way to advance the story and get some more, like, background and let them know what they're doing. And, and then ins- instead they get, like, totally railroaded into diving straight in. By Tracy's arm. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting to have that mechanic or that feature added at this point. Right. It would have been an interesting one to give to one of those NPCs to have them be like the vehicle for the compass. But I guess it makes sense for Tracy since he's like Godzilla in his mind. And that had me go back and look at what all of the items were again, because I think there was some confusion. Tracy's acting like a compass, but when he speaks in the episode, I think he's talking about the compass or labyrinth key that Zayul was stuck in. He points to that. And there's the sword of fire, which our characters haven't seen yet, except for in the video that they watched or the... Home no, movie. They, they saw it with the guy, um, the undead guy. In, oh, when right. Never Alonzo mind. Alonzo was being it's an irresponsible teen. Way back when. Way yeah. back when. Does he still have it? I mean, presumably not, since it's in the castle, apparently. Oh. I was really disappointed they never took that sword with them. They I just like left it with the like vengeful spirit. That seemed like a mistake I mean, me, he was but... a vengeful spirit. You want to go up to him and be like, hey, you finished your job. Can we have your wicked sword? Okay, maybe. <laughs> and there's the medallion. What? Sorry, I was a little out of it when I was listening to that part. I had a terrible headache yesterday. So they were pointing to the different things. Did they list all five to see if they were all in the castle? Yes, they listed the three they didn't have. Okay. Right, so they listed the medallion and the sword and the compass. Okay. And they have the liar's mouthpiece and the boots. boots. What do you think is going on with the what, like what those guards high on the spire were guarding? I kind of hope they're just standing underneath the Council of Bright's bedroom. But it could also be maybe Alonzo is up there and has tried to escape too many times. And now he's being locked up at the top of the tower. Like a princess in distress. Or a prince in distress. Personally, I kind of hope it's because they're like artistic and just like the view. The Warforge? Yeah. I almost um, momentarily considered whether 
it was some sort of source of undying light and they were recharging as they walked underneath that window, but that was a little too convoluted. Right. It's like the bus recharge stations, but for the Warforged. Because that would definitely be outside the castle and not inside of it. Yeah. How many episodes do you think we're going to spend in the castle? I mean, in the in the middle bit, it, Eric made it sound like it was going to be the rest of the arc, right? But I guess that doesn't answer your question, which is how many episodes do you think the arc's going to go? Right. It could be very dungeony. Maybe the castle's bigger on the inside than the outside, and they're exploring it for a long time. That'd be really cool. It would be really cool, and it would be fun for a while. I would guess that the arc's going to go between seven and nine episodes. What do you think? Hmm. I think they'll be out of the castle in four more episodes, but I don't know how long the whole thing is going to go. I think they might encounter an unexpected complication or something that they need to go find to get all the items to work together. So you DM a game of D&D, and I DM a game of D&D. What uh, is something from this episode that you're likely to steal for your own game of D&D? I'd love to have players draft sometime if I was playing a small game. I think it would be fun to have them make friends. I don't have the game right now where they have enough sidekick friends to do that from, but I think it could be really cool. I did a similar mechanic at one point where they had NPCs and each NPC was like a fully formed NPC, but they weren't like optimized and they had one signature move. Like one guy had a star knife, they cast lightning bolt. And that was really fun because the players could ask him to use it and he would. And it gave them a little bit of a deus ex machina without it being like totally overpowering or feeling like the DM was playing the character. I think for me, the thing that I would take from this is if you have an interesting fortress, like build up some of the anticipation for it by having them like case the perimeter and see some stuff and look for some stuff and have a couple different options for how to get in, even if it's all like being railroaded under the hood and they all point to the same room inside the castle once they get there, like help make it seem big and imposing and grand by having those options. I suspected that the invisible bridge was just added because Tracy rolled really well, and we'll take them wherever they were supposed to go in anyway. Yep. I really hope one of them falls off the invisible bridge into the moat. I'm disappointed they don't have Tallahassee with them. I think he would be great at infiltrating a moat. Now it's time for this week's questions for Eric. Eric, who's the traitor? I have to know. Eric, and also the party. Why did you destroy all the doorknobs instead of taking one with you? That's it for the After After Party, folks. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions for us, reach out on Twitter at After After Pod. We promise our answers won't be official at all. <laughs>